Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I am going to be talking about Austin Rivers, Moses Brown, and the starting lineup heading into tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks. Now, some of these stories I'm going to be telling you happened yesterday, actually, and I wasn't kidding when I said in my last episode that this was like an action-packed weekend. I already told y'all about what happened with Tony Bradley with Al Horford and then Moses Brown's monster 21.23 rebound game. But there's still more news that have just been flowing in. Oklahoma City has kind of been really taking over the transaction market over the weekend. Like, you know, we got the Thursday deadline. We got all those deals in. There's only been like a couple moves from that point on we've seen a couple of like waves i know that cabin gelly got waived from the kings jeff t got waived and then we ended up having to wave myers leonard but we weren't done yet i talked about how that cut us to 15 we needed to get to 14 to get moses brown on a real contract because on a two-way deal if we don't sign him by the extension period he's going to become an unrestricted free agent we won't have any sort of bird rights on him And he'd probably walk for big money to some team that is in desperation mode for a center. And Moses Brown, he's great, even for someone not even in desperation mode. He's 21 and he's amazing. So you need to cut down the roster to make sure you get him. And I said that it was kind of inevitable. I think everybody knows that. You don't have to be, you know, that, that, um, that around the team to know that. Like, obviously, Moses Brown was going to get a contract with the Thunder. Just kind of came down to when that would happen. And it looks like, well, I can tell you right now, it already has happened because Austin Rivers ended up getting waived yesterday. And that got the roster trimmed down to 14. We knew Austin Rivers, he's already 28 years old. And he had a three year, like $10 million contract. Only this season was guaranteed. The next two were not. So we ended up having to pay him $3.5 million to get him out of here, but he was never going to contribute for us, and only reason we'd ever try to hold on to him anyways is to try to ooze out like a second round pick, but at this point, I know diminishing returns a thing, and if you could hold on to him and get a second, obviously you'd do it, but he wasn't going to help you, he was going to be a Trevor Reza, and it wasn't a situation where you could just hold on to him over the offseason, we needed to make sure we could get Moses Brown, so it was a pretty smart decision here, and the clear cut obvious one that Austin Rivers ended up getting bought out by the Oklahoma City Thunder so he's gonna be entering the open market he already has interest he's been you know in the playoffs for most of his career I'd probably say no with the Clippers he had that one game where like his eye was all cut up he had all those stitches against the Trailblazers elimination game and he was really Los Angeles's best player in that game is pretty heartbreaking but he's had those moments went over to Houston. He played pretty well, I'd say, against us in the playoff series. And then he just wound up in New York because they probably gave him the fattest check. And they didn't want him anymore. They, as I've talked about, they wanted Emmanuel quickly to play more. They have Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose. I know Alfred Payton, quite frankly, they don't probably want to play them. I know fans could care less about him getting minutes for that team, but you're almost forced to. Austin Rivers, he was kind of the odd man out. Peyton kind of is too. But they were able to get Rivers out of there, and they were probably happy. And we're probably happy because we didn't have to waive 
a gigantic contract like Myers Leonard again in order to open up a roster spot. So with him waived, you get it down. Talked about Tony Bradley. He's going to stay with the team, so you don't have to worry about him anymore if there was really any worry circulating. But yeah, Rivers, he's going to be able to hop onto a contending roster probably. We already know the Milwaukee Bucks have shown interest, and they are the front runner right now. He hasn't played much this season with New York. Only uh, 21 games with them, and he's averaged 7.3 points, a little over two rebounds and two assists a game. So he can plug in and kind of bolster up that bench unit a bit. But we didn't need him anyways, so... We cut him down, and now you get Moses Brown onto the roster. So just a few hours after that, finally got reported that Moses Brown had been signed. And you already know, like even before it's official, you already have people tweeting out that it, they got it per a source. You know, the source is just your head. It's just common sense here that Moses Brown was going to be the guy. Just if you wanted to hold off later on into the year and save a little bit of money, you could always do that, but... It looks like they just wanted to get it over with, and that is a very smart decision as well. So he's going to be with us. It is a contract. It's a multi-year contract. They have not released the specifics to it. And the thing that I've been, like, heard, like, you know, things have been tossed around, it's going to be like one of those Deontay Burton or Lou Dort deals where it's not guaranteed in the next couple seasons. But I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if it's going to be exactly like that. Whenever Lou Dort and Deontay Burton got their contracts upgraded in the middle of the season, they were actually rookies. Moses Brown is a sophomore, so maybe that changes the specifications of things, but I cannot clarify it. So just know right now, it is probably going to be a non-guaranteed deal, but it's going to look like a rookie-scale contract most likely. And if Moses Brown keeps playing like this, it's you don't have to worry about him you know, getting cut or something he might just have it all guaranteed the way he's been playing for us but I really wanted to check back on Moses Brown because we know he's been balling out in the month of March we know he had a good you know campaign in Orlando but you got to turn back the clock on this guy just to kind of figure out how he even came into our hands so on my website kylesingler or mvp.com domain name sucks I know you got to give me some suggestions, people. But on there, I did the report, you know, I wrote it out just like everybody else, but I wanted to get the details down on how exactly Moses Brown found himself in Bricktown and how he was able to kind of get in the position he's in now. And it's pretty fascinating, actually, because Moses Brown, he went from a blue chip prospect in high school, going to UCLA, and having in our right one and done season he only averaged 9.7 points 8.3 rebounds and like little over one and a half blocks a game so not bad but relatively speaking that's not amazing numbers and the highlight of his season with the Bruins that year was literally him having his head down after like a missed shot or something and Jalen hands walks behind him pushes his neck up puffs his chest back out that's a meme you still see on Twitter from time to time so that's what I remember from him so I already knew who he was just based off of that but I never knew what happened to him sound like not a lot of people did either up until just recently but he had that season and it's not bad but when you take into account that people literally have averaged 20 points and like 10 rebounds a game and not gotten drafted aka Christian Wood it makes sense why Moses Brown wouldn't have been picked 
in this draft. Needless to say, though, I mean, he was 19 years old at the time. He was probably just around 7'2", if not already at that height. So there was a general market for him. So he got swooped up by the Houston Rockets. I never knew this, but apparently he played on the Houston Rockets Summer League team. Only played for two minutes, though. So whenever people tell you the Portland Trailblazers should have held on to this guy, they weren't even the first team to have their hands on Moses Brown. The Houston Rockets did, and they completely whiffed. They didn't even try him out in Vegas. So they let him go. He got picked up on Exhibit 10 deal with the Portland Trailblazers because back in 2019, if you guys remember, Yusuf Nurkic broke his hand in March of that year. So he was going to be out. He was going to be ruled out for that entire season, and they needed to find some guys to plug up the center spot. And luckily, they already had Hassan Whiteside at the position. They had Scalabissier, who's all right. Zach Collins was an option, but he was also hurt majority of the season. So they needed someone to kind of help them out there. So they were searching for two-way options or just veterans, anything they could scrap up to kind of fill out the minutes at the five spot. So Moses Brown got a shot at training camp, and it took him a little bit over a month, but he finally was able to get the two-way job for the Trailblazers. The other two-way player that season was Jalen Horde. Both Brown and Jalen Horde played on the Oklahoma City Blue in Orlando. That's just a little cool fact that that I thought of just then. But yeah, he got moved up. I think by that point he just turned 20 years old. Yeah, I think he I think he was like right around that birthday mark to turn 20 years old. But yeah, he was still pretty young and they wanted to add him on and just see what he could do for the team. But it's pretty weird because, you know, you'd think it makes sense to try him out. They didn't even try him out that much. So they brought him on brought him on as a two-way player and he played the least number of games out of anyone in the uh in the team on the roster only played nine games averaging 3.7 minutes per game that was the 12th lowest average in that season alone the 1920 season there were only 11 people who played less than he did minute wise when you go into the games and total numbers it might fluctuate a little bit but just looking at it he was one of the least played players in the nba and he was on a two-way contract so it wasn't like the Trailblazers didn't need minutes there. I mean, they tested out Brown a little bit, but they played four centers that season. They were even trying out Caleb Swanigan and Wenyan Gabriel at the time, and they didn't even give him a chance. So they let him go into the G League, and he wound up with the Texas Legends. I don't know if they just don't have an affiliate, the Trailblazers or whatever. I don't remember them having one. I guess they just sent him down and the Dallas Legends might take a couple of different G League affiliate teams in because I know there's a ton of um, G League teams in Texas. But yeah, he came in and he played. That's kind of where he just played his whole entire rookie season. And he wasn't bad. He played 30 games. None of them were starts though. But he still managed to average 14.4 points. 7.7 rebounds and 1.3 blocks. So he was kind of an underground name. Like I really didn't even have him on my mind. I had him completely off the radar. I think everybody did. But that is a very good 
rookie season, especially when you're considering he was coming off the bench for these guys. So he had that season. Trailblazers, they were done with him. They wanted to move to another direction heading into this season. And Sam Presti saw an opportunity. We don't have or we didn't have any young centers at the time. We were just changing, going into rebuild mode. This is when we got rid of Steven Adams. And now you're looking at a clean slate of prospects. Who are we going to surround Al Horford with this season? And he made the move that Moses Brown would be one of those guys. So they got Moses Brown and they got Josh Hall to fill in both of those spots. This happened early December, like December 9th, I think might have been the first day to cash those in. So they've gotten a verbal agreement a couple weeks before, put to pen and paper then, and he was just kind of up and running. So he had the training cramp. He had, I think, a 12-point game in the preseason. And then come regular season time, he kind of was back to the Portland Trailblazers role where he was not really seen as a viable option at all. So despite us looking to kind of go towards the younger players, he only played seven games before going to Orlando. And in those seven games, he only played 4.6 minutes. So it was by no means an upgrade from what was going on in Portland. And you'd say maybe there's a reason. I mean, he didn't actually play valuable minutes whatsoever. I know that he was kind of the guy you threw in when you were down 30 points. Same goes with some of the other players you had on the roster at the time. I think honestly, way back when you would see guys like Kenrich Williams and like Justin Jackson kind of fighting over those kind of minutes there. But yeah, it was really dried up. So he only got like the tiny scraps and he was never able to kind of have that breakout game that we've seen him have in the past. So he got shipped down to Orlando for the G League. And instead of what the Trailblazers did a season ago, they made sure that Moses Brown was going to be the centerpiece of the roster. Josh Hall only played one game with the blue. He was just hurt the whole time. So the only guy who had any links to the Thunder outside of your mainstays in Ty Jerome and Alexei Pogachevsky was Moses Brown. And the star of the show became Moses Brown. The first game, I'd probably say he didn't emerge as the number one guy. You had Antonius Cleveland, Chason Randall, who got picked up by the Magic two games in the season. But then he took off. So the first week, he was just gradually improving. And then he started breaking out. He started getting those 20-point games, the 20 rebounds on occasions. And nobody could stop him. Seven foot two on seven foot, or why the hell would I be saying seven foot six? Six foot seven centers. He's feasting on the glass. He'd be averaging more offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds at some spurts during this regular season. And he was getting to the line a lot. I think he ended up finishing top five in that category. I know for centers, he was one or two. I think interchangeable between Paul Reed if you want to place him as a center, but he was up there. And the second week of the season, he carried the blue. He won player of the week honors. He was in the MVP race, easily could have been named the MVP if the season ended that week because the Oklahoma City Blue were 7-1 through eight games. That was a tie, a three-way tie for the best record in the league. It seemed like the Oklahoma City Blue were going to be true contenders, if not the top dog in the league but then you saw teams kind of double him and triple team him 
slowed him down a little bit, and it opened the door for guys like Omer Yurtsevin to ball out, but he was still posting his stats regardless. I mean, he is huge, and whenever the ball was coming off the rim, you have seen it in the peak. He just kind of jumps up right back at it, shoots it three, four times until the ball finally goes through that cylinder, and that's what made him such a great prospect to have. So by the end of the season, they had a positive record of eight and seven, but they actually did not make it in. They were one game shy because of a lot of tiebreakers. Really just crazy that they did not make it because there were so many situations. I'd probably say like five or six games where if there was a different outcome, just one of those six games, the Oklahoma City Blue would have punched a ticket to the playoffs. But they had a gigantic cold spell close a couple times, never were able to seal the deal though. So they walked home empty-handed and he looked really good in that in that time there he played 14 out of those 15 games and bar none he was not just the best center on the team he was the best center in the entire g league this year he averaged 18.9 points 13.9 rebounds and 1.7 blocks and those 13.9 rebounds led the entire G League. He also averaged six offensive rebounds, led the entire G League, and offensive rebound percentage. It was like 18 point something percent. That's unprecedented. That was a whole entire three percentage points up from second place. Second place was another center from the Oklahoma City Blue in Omer Yurt 7. But yeah, he just blew the gasket off the league. Nobody could contain him. He was using his height to his advantage and Hell, I mean, he is very, very fast, so it wasn't just like he was a post-god. He was all over there, setting screens, running inside, slamming it down home. He had guys like Xavier Simpson, great at doing dump-off passes. Ty Jerome did it as well. And hell, even Alexi Pogacheski in a couple of those games strummed off a couple of assists to Moses Brown in like the first minute or two. So he was the integral part. And I think that's really what built up his confidence. I don't have a direct quote from him, but I definitely remember seeing sometime that Moses Brown was asked about it. But you'd have to imagine that just completely shot up his confidence and it shot up his stock because you can't just bench a guy who was arguably the best player in the entire league. The number one guy in the league, Paul Reed, he got his deal moved up, upgraded to a standard contract a couple days ago. Second place, the runner-up in the MVP conversation was Kevin Porter Jr. We have seen him. He is going to be a part of the Houston Rockets' long-term plans. And Moses Brown, with the new contract, he is as well. So he demanded respect from the Oklahoma City Thunder and the entire league, and he finally got that shot. So whenever he came back in the month of March, we've seen what he's done. He's broken record after record. He's tied some records as well. He had that 20.15 rebound, five block game in like his first, like one of his first like three or four games or something. Only Serge Ibaka has ever done that before. And that was against Terrence Jones. That was his matchup that game. Just for, uh, just for a little bit of perspective. So Moses Brown did that, and then this past week for him has been historic. He has had not just one, but two games this week, and these have been back-to-back. The Wednesday game against the Memphis Grizzlies and Saturday's game against the Celtics. Two out of the five fastest double-doubles in franchise history got claimed by him. I think now he would have the second fastest and the fourth fastest in franchise history 
When he did it against the Grizzlies on Wednesday, he had the third fastest. It got knocked down a step because he upped it up in his last game because he had a double-double in like his first like eight-some-odd minutes. Maybe it was nine, but that is still crazy. That is stuff he did in the G League, and he was playing... He's playing a lot better competition here, and it seems like he's not having any sort of issues taking that step up. So he has really turned into a blue chip prospect, a guy who in a 2019 redraft honestly would be a lottery selection just based off of what he's done in this month. So he deserves this. This has been something he's been working for for a very long time, and it's nice to see he's going to be reaping the benefits He's not just going to be a bench player right now. He is going to be the centerpiece at the five spot for the remaining like 27 games of the season. Now we know that Al Horford's done for good. It's going to be Moses Brown. And right behind him, it's going to be Tony Bradley, Isaiah Roby, Pogachevsky kind of vying for those minutes. But he has it locked down. He's going to be playing 25 plus minutes. Maybe not just past this season, but well into the future. There's a serious debate if he is going to be a future part of our core moving forward. And if he can maintain this athleticism and stay this pristine, he's going to be good. Big deal is if he can play against people his own size and dominate, he will be a person that you will be talking about for a while. He dominates every time he has a small ball lineup faced his way. Whenever he's got a true five in front of his face, it's a little bit different, but we have not seen a ton of reps from him yet. I think it's what, just nine games he's played in the month of March right now. So the sample size is small. So we'll see how he kind of battles up against the bigger NBA body centers. We know from G League experience and now that whenever he's got a dude six foot ten, He's going to be good to go, and he's going to have that green light to shoot. But just see how he does against those seven-footers. I am pumped up to see where Moses Brown goes from here. I know you guys are as well. And I'm also very excited because not only does this open a big opportunity for Moses Brown, it's going to open another opportunity for another young prospect we can try to farm into our system. And maybe we don't do this because of how late we are in the year, and we just don't have the minutes potentially. But we have a two-way spot open now, and this is something that I will be talking about probably in, I'd say, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, two days from now, because I know whenever I have a game recap, it's a little bit hard to fill in all these tiny stories like this, but I probably, in this week, should have a story talking about potential two-way candidates, and I feel pretty strongly about this one, so it should be good, and probably there's going to be a lot of detail to kind of pack in, so... I'm going to have a very fun time writing up on that one. But that's just what's been going on in terms of Austin Rivers, Moses Brown, and you know whatever you want to do with that final roster spot. But just looking at what we have going on today, we have all five of the original starters out of the lineup. Shea, he is out with plantar fasciitis. This is nothing new. George Hill, he's just not with the team anymore. Lou Dort. He is in concussion protocol from the hit he took like a minute into the Boston Celtics game. Minute in the third quarter. My bad. Not not in the first quarter. But he took that blow, you know, connected with Jalen Brown's elbow while he was trying to drive in. Inadvertent. He fell on the floor, and he's going to be out for this game, maybe even longer. Don't want to speculate that, though. So he's gone. 
And then Darius Baisley, he still is dealing with his shoulder contusion. This seems like a pretty serious injury. I did not expect it to take this long. And then Al Horford, he's shut down. So all five of them, done. If you would have told me that we would have had something like this this season, where all five of our starters were going to be out, I'd just probably laugh at you. Like Al Horford and George Hill, beginning of the season, I would have thought they wouldn't be on the team right now. George Hill isn't, Horford is, it's whatever. But when it comes down to SGA, Dort, and Baisley, I think either one of them would be playing every single game and they wouldn't move from the starting roster. But that's just not how things have shaped out. So you have all five of them out. You're going to be gutted. And you're going to have guys like Maladone, Kenrich Williams, Pokachevsky, Roby, and Brown dominating. But one guy that will be sticking out is Tony Bradley. And I'm going to put this... You know, with a little bit of a uh, a punctuation mark here, put an asterisk. Yeah, let's put an asterisk for, for the hell of it. But we don't know if he's going to play. He's not on the injury report, though. So he is cleared to play for this game. He was in health and safety protocols yesterday when he was in Oklahoma City. I guess they just want to test him before he got into the facilities and all that. Makes sense. He's good. This game is going to be played in the peak against Dallas today. So he will be good to go if there's ever an opportunity to play him. And I know that sometimes you don't just want to give someone a debut immediately with no practice. But maybe they would try to toss him out because just give him him some valuable valuable minutes while you're at it. Because he will be having to play. I know with Shvi, he sat out a game before we saw him. And then even when we started to see him. It was for like 10 minutes the first game. I think he's now around like 15 to 18, but it's nothing too serious. I'd expect the same thing with Bra- uh, with Tony Bradley. Although, I do think with him being a center, there is kind of a demand to just play him as much as you can right now because we are looking for prospects to fill that spot up later on down the road. And with the wings, like with, with Fee not playing, it wasn't a major hit anyways because... Justin Jackson, he's all right. Kenrich Williams is deserving of all the time he was getting in. We had Dort available in those games as well. Maybe even SGA in those first ones, but cannot be too positive on that. Also, Ty Jerome, if I didn't already say his name. But there were just a lot of people. Not a ton of competition going for those center minutes. And guys who would be like a Horford or Mike Muscala, we already know they're going to be done. Like, Mike Muscala is literally on the injury report today. and we it, it could be legitimate. It could be. He has an ankle injury, but it's taking him out of this game. That's the only guy, not a starter, that um, that's going to be out for you. So, we'll just have to see how everyone kind of rolls up. It will be really fun to watch um, Boban going against uh, Moses Brown because... I think we might have already seen this matchup before, like the game or two before we saw the All-Star break. I'm pretty sure we saw Moses Brown and Boban match up, and Boban actually kind of bested him for a little bit there. Boban is gigantic. He's like 7'4", seven 7'5". Foot foot you see this guy's hands probably wraps around the whole entire basketball, to be quite honest with you. So it's going to be a real test to see him kind of go up against the Dallas Mavericks, but I still do want to see how everyone else is doing. I mean, Maladon just got off his 22-point game. We're going to see a lot more of probably Kenrich and Svee, so that'll be interesting. And then always, Pokachevsky's a treat to watch. I think we all know 
how this roster is kind of shaped out. Like, everybody is kind of set to have their big game, and we just got to wait and see who the big player is going to be. When it comes to the Mavericks, they don't have a major line of people that are going to be injured for the game. Only people currently listed for them are going to be J.J. Redick, Tyrell Terry, and Willie Cauley-Stein. J.J. Redick just got traded for Tyrell Terry. I think they picked like late first, early second. Pretty big uh, stock riser out of the uh, last draft, but he's going to be out. And then, as I talked about, Willie Cauley-Stein won't be there. So you have Luka and you have Kristaps. They were listed as questionable in their last game against the Pelicans, but it looks like they're going to be healthy for this game. So you're going to be going up against an entirely stacked roster. And in our past games, we have not been able to clamp up on the wings. Tim Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson have been fine without Luka, Kristaps, whoever. They have starred and they've been able to make every game against us an absolute nightmare with them. And now you take out our best defender in Lou Dort, and it's going to be a little bit more interesting. And plus, you don't have SGA. So if you're going to win against the Mavs, you need to have the biggest X factor probably of all time in this game. And as I talked about, we definitely could have that. Moses Brown has become one of the like hottest names at the center position. I think I read online somewhere that he has the same exact value as uh, Kemba Walker does today on DraftKings, so you might just want to take that into account. That's how highly some people are valuing him. If you want to count DraftKings as a valuable source, I don't really know, but he's going to be there. As I talked about, Tony Bradley's going to be there. It's just going to be an all-out fireworks show, and with us, I think it's pretty obvious the intentions are not winning every single game right now. Like, the Al Horford move straight up signaled that we are not actively trying to win every single game. It does make sense, though, whenever you have Moses Brown playing this well. But if they end up winning this game, it is going to be a shocker. And if we win, obviously, the goal right now is probably to get the most ping pong balls as possible. Um, But if we win, it's going to be very exciting because that probably means that uh, Mr. Moses Brown had a great game in his first time actually having a guaranteed NBA contract. He's been fighting for so long. Finally gets it. Maybe it might have some impact in this game. I don't really I don't really think so. I think he's just going to keep playing like he always has, which as of right now has been all-star level. So keep your eye out for him. Make sure to take a look at the Bobon Moses Brown matchup in that game. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.